This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Man, I am so glad to see you all this morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and I'm going to continue to guide us as we engage with God and experience light on this Christmas Eve. And it is so, so fun to be together with so many of you this morning. If you're a guest with us today, I just want to thank you for coming. I know that it is a bit of a risk to come into a new community and to try something maybe new or unknown, especially on a major day like Christmas Eve. So thank you for investing your time here. And I want to invite you, make yourself comfortable, kick off your shoes if you need to, relax, and just enjoy this morning. And when you leave, I want you to stop by Guest Central, by our main doors. We've got a little gift for you. It's a Christmas present from us to you. It's our way of saying, hey, thank you for being here and celebrating time with us together this morning. Well, have you ever noticed that Christmas is intrinsically connected to lights? Have you ever stopped to pause and ask yourself why? I mean, we do some odd things on Christmas. We take nature, which for most of the year we try to keep out of our house. We don't want dirt and trees and leaves in our living room. And then on Christmas, we cut down a tree We bring it into our house, we put it in a thing of water, we let the bugs and spiders and everything go around, and then we what? We we wrap lights around a tree. It is an odd phenomenon. Here's a fun fact for you. Did you know that the lighting of Christmas trees started in the 1700s back in Germany? And here's how they did it. See, the Germans, while they were innovative, were not always the best thinkers. I can say that because I am a German. Fun fact number two, Finkbeiner, my last name, means... Stork legs, which is very exciting. (laughs) Which is why the era of skinny jeans has been so fun for me. So the Germans, they gather these trees, they put them in their houses, and then they lit candles on their trees. They're dead and dying and dried out trees. You can imagine how well that went for them. But we've continued the tradition of lighting our Christmas trees. And then as we drive home in the evenings and we look out in our neighborhoods, we have adorned our houses with Christmas lights. Another fun fact for you, did you know that Thomas Edison is the first person who was credited with putting lights outside of his shop on the first Christmas? And people would drive by and they saw light bulbs outside of a building. It was phenomenal. But for whatever reason, Christmas and light goes hand in hand. Have you ever paused and asked yourself why that is? Well, I, I guess we could ask what would be the, the converse of that. I, I guess we could connect Christmas and utter darkness, but pitch black and Christmas don't seem to go together. There's something about light that brings with it hope and levity and joy and peace and laughter and fun. But there's something about dark that actually carries with it kind of a weight. When, when I think about darkness, I don't know about you, but I think about Stranger Things. Do, do we have any Stranger Things fans in the church? Yes, my people. Hey, if you don't know Stranger Things, it's kind of a cultural phenomenon on Netflix. You should check it out. Uh, if you don't like it, you can email me, justin at newlifepetaluma.org, and tell me how bad it is <laughs> that, uh, that I would suggest you watch such a, an amazing show. So, and Stranger Things, here's how it happens. It's so interesting. You know something bad's about to happen in the show because what happens? 
it gets really dark. And then the fog begins to come in. And then there's this weird either upside down snow or ash. I don't really know what it is. What I do know is you don't want to breathe it in. But as you watch that show, when the dark comes, you know something bad is about to happen. And you can almost feel the weight of darkness. And isn't it true that as we go about our lives, there are certain moments where all of us have felt the weight of some darkness, emotional or relational or maybe in work or with finance. We've all had moments where one minute we feel like we're on top of the world and then the next minute we feel like the world is on top of us. And it feels so heavy and it feels so, it's the word dark. And so it's so interesting that this interplay of light and darkness actually finds its origins in the Christmas story that we read about in the Bible. One of the first places we see it thousands of years ago is where light and darkness come into battle to see which one is going to win. Are we going to have freedom and joy and levity and hope, or are we going to have weight and heaviness and sorrow and utter alone? But to understand the way that light and dark play in the first Christmas story, we have to put ourselves back a few thousand years into the shoes of some early Jewish women and men who were experiencing what felt like a night that fell over their entire community and lasted for hundreds of years. See, by the time Jesus steps on the pages of history, we've had this 400-year mark where people just felt utterly alone, like God had left and abandoned them. The Bible, if you're brand new, is split up into two main sections. The Jewish scriptures, called the Old Testament in, in our Bible, and then these stories starting with the biographies of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then going on to life after Jesus lived and died and rose again. And if that whole idea of living and dying and rising again strikes you as odd or somewhat miraculous, I'll just let you know it, it was, and yet it's one of the most well-documented historical facts in ancient history, that there was this guy, Jesus, who lived, who predicted his death, who died, and then rose again, and over 500 people saw him alive. And so the New Testament of the Bible chronicles that story. But if you go back to the Old Testament, you have God speaking to his people through these individuals called prophets. And they would hear from God and they would speak God's words to God's people. And that was how the people knew that God was with them and for them. But the last prophet in the Old Testament spoke. And then there was 400 years of And the people were waiting. And year passed, and a year passed, and a year. It'd be like not hearing any hope from God from the 1600s until today. Nothing. And in the midst of the quiet, a darkness began to fall over the people. And in the midst of the quiet, a superpower rose up called the Roman Empire. And the Romans went to community after community after community, conquering nation after nation after nation and making slaves and servants out of people groups. And they came to the Jewish people and they conquered the Jewish people and they ruled over them and they were an authority over them. 
and they were harsh rulers. And if you were a Jewish person living some 2,000 years ago, in those days that Jesus was born, everything felt dark. And there was a weight, and there was a hopelessness, and there was a sense in which nothing would ever change. And then Jesus steps on to the pages of history, and we have the story of Jesus being born in three of those four biographies. And in one of the biographies, it is a unique telling. See, the first two give a birth announcement, and and angels come, and there's this whole miraculous story around it. If you've never checked it out, you can read it in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab the YouVersion app on your phone. It's the easiest, best way to have a Bible with you. In fact, hundreds of Bibles with you 24-7. But these first two stories, they talk about a traditional birth announcement. You get a postcard in the mail, it's a boy, we have a cigar, things are great. But the third story is written by a guy named John, and it's unique from the other two. And the reason why it's unique is John is the last one to write his letter, his story of the way that Jesus came in to this world. And John was one of these guys who was with Jesus. He walked with him. He talked with him. They they had campfires together. They ate fish together. In fact, when Jesus was up on the cross, he looked down on John and he saw his mother Mary standing there weeping at the death of her son. And Jesus said to John, John, take care of my mother, be her son moving forward, care for her, love her, serve her. And so John became kind of a celebrity in Christian circles. Everybody wanted to talk to John. Everybody wanted to hear from John. In fact, we find out in a different letter that, uh, that John wrote that uh, his stories were written hundreds of times, told hundreds of times. And John gets to the end of his life. He's an old man at this point, And he realizes he doesn't have much time left in this world. And he thinks, what do I need people to know about this day that we're going to celebrate tomorrow? They already have accounts of how Jesus came to be born in a manger and and the circumstances around it. What do people need to know? And John zooms out and he tells kind of a big picture. Here's what was happening in the cosmic world when Jesus came in. And John uses two metaphors to start out his story of Jesus' birth. The first metaphor is word. He says that Jesus is the word, which takes you back to the very beginning of the Bible. In the book of Genesis, we're told that God spoke the world into being, and Jesus, according to John, was the word that was speaking. Jesus was the one from the beginning getting everything started. That's the first metaphor. The second one is light, and that's what I want to look at this morning. So up on the screen, you'll see John chapter 1, and it says this, in the beginning was the word, that was Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God from the beginning. When God spoke the world into existence, Jesus was the speaker who was speaking. And verse 3 says this, Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness tried to conquer the light, but the darkness could not overtake it. And I think we can all resonate with this story because at certain points in our lives, every one of us goes through a season where it just feels dark. 
It could be relationally dark. It could be that you used to be in a relationship that was marked by light and hope and love and joy, and you just thought it would go forever, but that relationship has turned dark. Maybe because of something someone did to you, and you don't actually know how to forgive them. And even if you knew how to forgive them, you're not so sure that you want to. And the relationship feels dark. Or maybe you did something to someone and you're trying to make it up and you're trying to get it back and you're trying to restore the relationship, but the pain of that thing that you did is tearing up the relationship and it's eating you up inside and it just feels so heavy and so dark. For some of us in this room, we've lost a loved one over the course of this past year. And where Christmas used to be marked by hope and joy and love and Merry Christmas, and I'm so glad you're here, and we got the whole family together, now you feel very lonely. You feel very alone. It feels very dark. For some of us, it's fear. Fear around finances, fear around family. For some of us, it's addictions that we just can't break, and we've tried for year after year after year on our own to do it without telling anybody so that no one would know the secret darkness that was inside of us. And we feel like we can't break through the addiction, and the weight of it is crushing us, and the fact that we feel like we have to keep it hidden, which, by the way, you don't, just feels so dark. Friend, if you find yourself there, this Christmas, then I've got good news for you. You're in good company here because we have all experienced a dark night in our lives. We've all experienced that feeling of alone and heavy and how am I going to make it? And I've got good news for you. Christmas is a story about light And not just any kind of light. Christmas is a story about light that overcomes darkness. That when Jesus comes into the world, Jesus brings with him this sense of hope and joy and freedom and peace that we cannot find on our own, but we can find in partnership with him. See, Jesus promises to bring comfort where we once had grief. He promises to bring hope where addiction feels hopeless. He promises to bring healing of relationships and forgiveness where we just don't think it could ever get fixed. It's a story of hope. It's a story of light. And I love the way that John says this. He says the light came into the world and the darkness could not overcome it. Literally, that phrase in the original language means the lightness could not overtake it. That there was this battle going on in the cosmic world and there's a battle going on inside of you and inside of me and there's darkness and despair and weight and there's light and hope and joy and the two could not hold the same space. And when we get to choose light, it invades darkness. Just like one little girl holding a candle can light up a whole room. One spark of light One spark of hope can bring light into an area that feels so, so dark. So what I want to do this morning is just give us a few ways that we can increase our opportunity to experience a little bit of light this year. Just increase our chances 
I can't promise for you or prescribe for you an easy life or a perfect life, but I can tell you that there are things you can do to hedge your bets. There are ways that you and I can increase the opportunity that light will shine around us. The first is this. We need to place ourselves in environments where light is shining brightly. We need to find a community of people who is looking to experience light. And that could be a life group. We've got these small groups of people around our church that meet every week, just fellow travelers who are trying to experience a little bit of light and hope and joy. And we form relationships. And you realize in these groups, oh, I don't have to be alone. Oh, I'm, I'm not, I might be unique in my personhood. I'm not unique in that struggle. How many of us in our first year of marriage, we thought, we must have the worst marriage ever. No one, no one ever argues about which side of the counters to put the dishes on. No one ever argues about which way to stack the dishwasher. And like I've said before, uh, there's no right way. There's just the wrong way and there's my way. I remember our first year of marriage, that was the thing. I thought, what's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? And then we got into a life group and I realized, oh, nothing. Nothing. We're normal. We're human beings. We have discussions. That's what Christians call fights. We have discussions like everybody else. So get into a community because I tell you what, darkness loves people who are alone. Darkness loves it. Have you ever noticed when it's pitch black and you're all by yourself, how scary it feels? I have to close up this building sometimes. It's great when you're all here and there's light. It's okay when you're all here and it's dark. But when I'm here by myself, this feels like a haunted mansion. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> Pull out my Swiss army knife. And I... <laughs> Find a group of people. It could be a life group. It could be a few friends that you get coffee with once a week just to talk about life, what's actually going on. How are you doing Really? Here's another thing. Invite yourself into a community of people, like a church. I would say this church. I think this church is an incredible church. I'm a little biased. But a church where hope and freedom and joy and light are the pervasive themes of the community. Invest yourself into a place where you can learn about Jesus on a regular basis. Next week, we're starting a brand new teaching series, which is five things God uses to grow your faith. Five things that God uses to increase the opportunity that you and I could experience a little more light, a little more hope, a little more joy, a little more peace in our lives. I think we've got a video. I want you to check it out. This is going to be such a fun series because as we have traveled as a church for almost 20 years, we see common themes over the hundreds and hundreds of people who walk through our doors. And there are five common themes that God uses almost every time to grow 
our faith, to help us trust a little more and to walk a little more closely with God, to increase our chances that we could experience light. I want to invite you back next week. I know it's New Year's Eve. I get it. But listen, the New Year's Eve fun doesn't start till night anyway, and we don't even have a night service. It's a morning service. It's not New Year's Day, all right? We're going to be fine. So join me in the morning. Have a good time with that. Another thing you can do to increase your chances of experiencing light is let light invade your minds. Let it invade your mind. I would encourage you, as I do regularly, spend 10 to 15 minutes a day reading the story of Jesus. Reading Matthew or Mark, Luke or John, just letting Jesus transform the way you think about this world. If you have a Bible, open it up. If you don't have a Bible, grab your phone. Download the app called the YouVersion app. YouVersion app. If you just download Bible, you'll find it. It's great. There are reading plans for pretty much everyone under the sun. And another thing that could be huge for so many of us this Christmas is to simply follow the light that we already know. There are some of us, and we know we need to let go of that grudge. We know we do. We know it's, it's eating us up. We might not know how. And that's where we take steps in community. Maybe it's counseling. Maybe it's opening up. Maybe it, it's, it's being honest but we know we need to let go of that. There's some of us here, and the thing we need to do is just call someone this afternoon and say, Merry Christmas. I know it's been years since we've talked. I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas just to crack the door open. There are some of us in a group this size, and addiction is eating us alive. And we've tried to fix it on our own, and we know we don't want to keep walking where we are. It's time to not hide it, but to find a safe group of people, and this is a safe group of people, to be honest about where we are, to take a step to break through. Maybe there's a secret that you need to share because that secret is keeping you trapped in darkness. But arguably the greatest thing that you and I can do this Christmas to experience light is to simply say yes to the invitation that Jesus gives us. I want to fast forward 30 years in Jesus' life. We're going to leave baby Jesus, and we're going to go to grown-up Jesus. So I want to go 30 years forward in Jesus' life. Jesus is at this festival. Now, if you study Jewish culture, you know that there are seven great feasts and festivals that mark the Jewish calendar, but there were three really big ones, like three of their favorites. It was like a huge Christmas celebration three different times a year. Each of these three festivals culminated in this huge celebration— Of the three, there was one that was everybody's favorite. It was called the Feast or the Festival of Tabernacles. You don't need to know too much about it other than it remembered when God's people were in slavery in Egypt. God led them out of slavery into the wilderness and God protected them in the utter darkness of the wilderness nights. That God brought light where there was once darkness. And so every year people would come from all over the ancient world to Jerusalem, to the city where they believed God uniquely spent his time And they would build these little huts and they would sleep in these huts. And then on the last night of the celebration, they'd all come into the temple courts and it was this big outdoor court and they'd light four huge torches that lit up the night sky. And the women and the men would have little hand torches and they would dance around this courtyard. It was like an ancient version of Burning Man. Everybody's dancing around, (laughs) having a great time, celebrating with their lights. And the, the torches were really important. The torches represented God's light and God's faithfulness and the fact that God would always be with you. And Jesus walked into the temple courts and he sees these four huge torches set up in the courts. And he sees the people dancing around with their little torches. 
And Jesus gathers a crowd of people to himself and he points to the torch and he says to the people, he says, I am the light of the world. Everything you believe about God and God's hope and God's provision and God's care that's represented in these torches, Jesus says, I am the personification of God's hope. I am the picture of God's joy. I am the person of God's forgiveness. I am the hope you're looking for, the freedom you need. I am the light of the world. And then he says to them, whoever follows me, will never have to stumble in darkness again. But you will have the light of life. And it's the invitation that God gives to every single one of us not to be perfect. In fact, being imperfect is a prerequisite to following Jesus. He doesn't invite us to know everything. In fact, for many of us, myself included, Part of the reason why we follow Jesus is there are parts of this world that cannot be explained with simply our five senses. And so we follow because we can't explain everything apart from a creative, loving, heavenly Father who designed this world. What it does mean is that we would invite Jesus to be the leader and the guide of our lives that we would invite Jesus to come and to take us to the next step and the next step and the next. And Jesus says that when we do that, we have the opportunity to experience forgiveness from those places where we have hurt ourselves, hurt others, and separated ourselves from God. And Jesus says that when we do that, we have the opportunity to experience the power that only God can bring to overcome addiction and pain. And Jesus says when we do that, we never have to walk alone because we have God, our Heavenly Father, who is caring for us and comforting us. And Jesus says when we do that, we get enveloped into a community of fellow travelers who are looking for a little bit more light in their lives. And if that's you today, then I would invite you to unwrap the greatest gift that Jesus gives which is the gift of relationship with your heavenly father. To simply say yes to your next step and then to come back next week and explore and experience a little more light with a community where you're safe and loved and cared for and to keep coming and keep allowing a little more light to replace that darkness that we feel that can sometimes weigh us down. In just a minute, under each of our seats are candles, And in just a minute, we're going to grab these candles and we're going to light them as a way to symbolize that we have the opportunity to walk in light, to symbolize, and we're going to turn all the lights off, that darkness cannot overtake a light in a room this size, that a little candle like this, I know you're getting excited, it's there, you don't have to look, I promise it's there. It's not like only one of you gets it and you get a reward, everybody gets a candle. You get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Everybody gets a car. I'm just kidding. But you all get a candle. Help me, Oprah. (laughs) To symbolize that Christmas is about light overtaking darkness. And here's the crazy thing about it. 
See, at New Life, we are for Sonoma. We believe that God loves the people of Sonoma County, and we love the people of Sonoma County, and we're for hope and healing and joy. We are for people because God is for people. Here's the crazy thing about light. When we walk in light, it doesn't just impact us and our family. It begins to impact entire neighborhoods and communities. We saw this as we gathered together and cared for and loved people with these fires. As we walk in light, it has the potential to change and transform thousands of people's lives. So at the end of our singing together, we're going to blow out our candles, and then we're going to experience a light that pervades this community. So would you join me and pray, and then I will, I will lead us through with the lighting of our candles. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for this story of light. As we go home today, as we light our Christmas tree, as we go through our community this evening and we see lights that have lit up houses, would you help us to remember that the story of light is a story of hope, that the story of light is a story of joy and peace and healing and wholeness, that this light that we see represents the light that only you can bring and that darkness cannot overcome it, darkness cannot overtake it, and darkness cannot hold the same space as your light and your hope and your joy. So for my friends in this room, Jesus, I ask that you would give us a little more light today and this week and in these coming months, a little more hope, a little more joy, a little more peace, and a little more courage to walk with you. And then as your light flows to us, would your light flow through us to love and serve and care for this community? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.